All right, everybody, settle up to the bar. It is time for this week's edition, Horse Racing Happy Hour. Lunar Bow hanging out with producer Zach for the time being, the horse himself, the Hall of Famer, uh, the man who has more points scored and more rebounds in Kentucky history than any other player, um, but cares way more about horses now. His name is Dan Essel. <laughs> He'll join us at 8.15, uh, so in about 15 minutes, but we'll get going on the episode here. Uh, wherever you're listening, I, I always mean it when, when I say it. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, it is January 12th. We are going to talk Busanda as we get into our first 20-point prep outside of the Breeders' Cup for the Oaks. Um, this is when we start looking, especially rolling those two turns at Aqueduct. I love to start looking at the Phillies uh, as they uh, get into this part of the season. And um, I kind of want to update those those Derby ranks, those those uh, those Oaks rankings, because I, I know I'm a little bit different than other people, especially on the Oaks side. Um, but I do think that there are um, some horses on the male side that might be able to translate that form from the two-year-old year. To the three-year-old year, usually pretty difficult for the horses, uh, especially on the male side, to do that. And so uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Um, like I mentioned, we will have that uh, we will have the Busada Stakes this weekend, and of course that's at Aqueduct. Um, it, it's very easy to poo-poo Aqueduct, but we forget how much of the weight of the Naira calendar Aqueduct carries. And this is absolutely, absolutely. part of it. Um, and so you know you get into this time of year, and they're just running and running and running at at, uh, at Aqueduct. Um, do you know the Queens neighborhood in which Aqueduct is situated? One producer's act. Oh, it's probably the coolest name for a neighborhood for horse racing that we have. I I can I could tell you the directions <laughs> on how to drive there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, it is cold. I, I know in New York City <laughs> where Aqueduct is, but I could not tell you the Queens neighborhood. It is uh, it is Ozone Park, so that's what we're looking for. So, oh um, wow, yeah. Uh, this is a this is an interesting race because we have gotten some really good horses out of this race. We've gotten last year's winner was Magic Circle. She hasn't done too much since then. The grass is blue in twenty twenty one. Has come back, won a couple stakes races. Harvey's Little Goyle won this race in twenty twenty. Always shopping in twenty nineteen. So there's been some recent winners who have actually gone on to very good three year old uh, campaigns as well. Um, I don't know who the most famous winner would be. Maybe Aztec Hill in ninety three. Um, wayward last in 1981 um and so she i, I know wayward last uh trained by cash asmus and uh was went on to win multiple grade ones uh dreamy mimi the 89 winner went on to become a grade one winner multiple graded stakes winner in aztec hill like i mentioned in 1993 that was back when mike smith was still riding the naira circuit <laughs> and so lots of i mean seriously good oh you know Princess of Silmar won this race in 2013. I, I'm leaving her out, and I shouldn't do that. She became a multiple grade one winner as well. So um, we've seen some nice some nice fillies come out of this race, actually. A little disappointed in the field this year, only five horses. Uh, there are um, There is a maiden in this race as well, an affirmative lady. I think she's got a real shot, actually. And so that's kind of interesting. Uh, Graham, uh, Graham Motion making sure that she's uh, involved for that one. She has gone the two turns, uh, lost by a neck last time out to Julia Shining, uh, who, who we now know. Uh, to be a very, very good uh, Oaks contender, frankly. And so, uh, you know, once Julie Shining already won one of our 10-point races on the way to uh, – on the Kentucky Oaks Trail, I should say. And so for her to be back in this uh, field – hey, buddy, my son just got home from uh, from basketball practice. Uh, the um, Makes me think that with the experience over the track, 
gets Manny Franco in the irons, which I really like, um, and it should be a, a part of it. It'd be interesting to see a maiden winner uh, in the Busanda, but frankly, she's already run against a very, very good company. And look, we're going to get rain today. Uh, we had rain today. We're going to have rain tomorrow in Queens. Track probably going to dry out a little bit on Saturday, but we still might have good muddy conditions. I don't know, somewhere in there. So um, she went over that sloppy course last time, so she's already got that experience, uh, something to watch for sure. A cult, of course, in this race as well. Broker maiden over a good course at Aqueduct at a mile. That's one turn. We are going a little bit further here, a mile and an eighth, uh, which is the start start to finish on the start line on the finish line at Aqueduct. They have a mile and an eighth dirt course in Ozone Park. And so it'll be interesting to see where we land there. I'm going to ask Dan his opinion on that race as well. But I am going to go with the maiden. I think that she gets it done. I think that Affirmative Lady um, steps up for Grand Motion here in Manny Franco. It does get the win here, breaks her maiden. I think she's ready to do it. And I think that she's... Um, I don't want to say a horse for course, but she seems to be really comfortable at uh, at Aqueduct. It's going to be really cold, so that'll be interesting for weather. Um, but like I said, that she won in December over Sloppy Go and a kind of a crappy day in the early part of December gives me a thought that uh, they think she's really ready uh, to go in this one. I also do like that that routing experience that she has. Um, if you're looking for more of an off-the-board kind of horse, Aniston is in this race. Broker Maiden by big, big margin last time out. Uh, and uh, at Aqueduct late November, a bit of time off for Todd Pletcher. Uh, grabs Jose Lascano for this mount. The two of them limited sample size to 29% uh, at Aqueduct and 33%. A third of their races overall together. Um, Todd le- starting to lean on him a little bit more in the winter months. So uh, I would look at those two. I know that there's going to be a bunch of money that comes in on Gambling Girl, which is the Carmouche-Pletcher combination. No reason not to look at the, that horse as well. But look, it's only a five-horse field. Who knows what the conditions we might get down to something like a like a four-horse field here. So you're going to have to be really selective if you're going to if you're going to bet this race again. This is the last leg of that Grand Slam bet that we've talked about at Naira before um, that I really like. You try to finish, uh, pick one of the top three horses in the previous three races. Uh, so essentially, it's a show, 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 and then you have to have the winner in the last race, and that would be the Busanda this weekend. And so kind of a cool opportunity there unfortunately because of the five horses i don't think it's going to pay very much so i'll be staying away from the grand slam this weekend um i was hoping for a bigger field because i was going to do uh some some grand slam talk for the handicapping section but instead we're going to stay here in kentucky talk late pick four at turfway which will have um i I think if not the biggest favorite of the weekend one of the biggest in the likely exchange we'll talk about her uh when dan joins the show later uh zach if you would go ahead and pull up these replays from last week we got um our first winner uh, in in the Jerome, the Jerome, of course, the second oldest stakes race in the United States, and this was Lugan Knight. Left to go, they are head and head here. Arctic Arrogance is ready to challenge a very game. Lugan Knight down towards the inside, trying to rally on his general banker, and from the back, it's Neural Network who still has five lengths to make up a final furlong, and they are shoulder to shoulder here in the Jerome. Arctic Arrogance did not run by Lugan Knight, who's very game to the inside for a 16th to go. Lugan Knight is still there. Arctic Arrogance couldn't pass. Lugan Knight game and wins the Jerome. It's Lugan Knight over Arctic Arrogance, then General Baker, and Neural Network in one minute. So an interesting thing here, this is the one mile uh, over one turn at Aqueduct, of course. I don't I don't hate that, by the way, for uh, a, a prep. <laughs> What's super interesting to me is, is last week they do derby prep. <laughs> excuse me so one turn mile and then they come back for an oaks prep and they go two turns with the ladies right away a week later right. so a little more expected apparently of the women in new york than they are of the men and so um it's it, it was interesting the only thing i'll say for in lugan knight's uh defense here uh in winning the race is got out there and then got challenged and found an extra kick in the stretch you want, i like it when younger horses have that kind of mentality no you're not passing me I'm going to be the best in the stretch. And that's what we got yep. with Luke Knight this past week. So yeah, I was, uh, I, that, uh, literally watching that replay today, I was thinking 
how does it feel to be the six horse where like you give it your all and the whole time you're neck away and you yeah. just watch it. Like, sure. Sure. <laughs> oh, for trainer Mike McCarthy too. So, uh, you know, not, not going to be, um, you know, not hurt for connections there. So yeah. I think that, you know, that's the kind of horse that, um, we'll see probably stay in New York, right. Go to the Gotham and then eventually go to the wood. Um, and so, uh, Frankly, if the horse likes likes Aqueduct and likes Belmont, I don't think there's a reason not to do that. Try to qualify for the Derby that way. If you can get into the Derby, run the Derby, see what happens, and then come back, run it back in the Belmont. I think he's that kind of horse. So, um, good win. Uh, Lugan Knight not would not be in my top five ten kind of horses for the Derby right now, um, just because uh, I'm a little. I don't know how good that field was. To me, it wasn't great. But like I said, uh, the, the point of the races right now is just to win them and get the points and get yourself uh, a spot at the table for the Derby. Let's go ahead and look out West uh, in the sham. Uh, I mean, look, Baffert sweeps the top three, which means that there were no points for the top three finishers in the sham for the Kentucky Derby trail, but reincarnate his longest shot on the board pulls it off in the sham. And this is what it looked like coming down the stretch at San Now National treasure angles to the outside as they come to the 16th pole. Newgate on the outside and a resilient reincarnate trying to fend him off. Reincarnate, Newgate, National Treasure, reincarnate, and Juan Hernandez to take the sham. New so a couple of things come up for me here. You know, that, that race doesn't happen if Baffert doesn't enter all the horses. <laughs> I think he had four. Yeah, shit, exactly. Right? Number one. Number two, I think we're past the point with Juan Hernandez in Southern California that he's not going to get bumped for a derby mount if his horse, if that, if he makes it. So if Reincarnate makes it down the derby trail, I think Juan Hernandez is going to be your jockey. And I, and I, and I welcome that because I think he's terrific. And I think he's gotten to the level where he deserves a derby mount if he's the one who pilots a horse through that West Coast path to the Derby. We have to ask the questions because we ask it every year now or for last year, this year, who's training this horse in three months. Yeah. Who's training exactly. this horse in a month and a half. Excuse me. I mean, even that, that soon. So do we, do we go down the Timmy Acteen route again? Are we going to, you know, stay out West with the, with the trainer is, is the ownership group going to look somewhere else? I mean, this is an ownership group that is wildly, wildly um, loyal to Bob Baffert. I don't anticipate them doing something outside of what Baffert advises uh, because they see, right this Derby and this year at Churchill as the last of the, of the two year ban. And they'll get back to whatever they were doing beforehand. Um, no sense from Baffert that he's hanging it up or they're going to go do something else anytime soon. So I think oh, they no, see, 100%. I think they see these as, as, as a couple of road bumps. Um, it will be more interesting to me this year to see how many horses get entered out of the Baffert barn in Maryland at the Preakness, uh, because yeah. I do think uh, we'll see, a bit of that. By the way, Zach started having those preliminary conversations about the Preakness. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, man. We're going to get – it's it's the best. It's the best trip. Um, I'll just come pick you up at the RV. We'll drive out there together. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's room for uh, an RV there. <laughs> yeah, no um, Yeah, uh, you know, the, the thing And by is, the way, by the way, if you told me that was the same race, I'd believe you. <laughs> there just happened to be a third horse in the picture. Riccardi just exactly. held off. Held off the other two in that picture. So, yeah. I mean, not only is Baffert not bowing out, but he's bowing in. Like, you're seeing more and more of his horses. This is he, what he does. Yeah. He's pushing them into races. Like, he's bumping them out like nobody's business. Yeah. So, it'll be, again, interesting to see where the where they land and which barns and all those sorts of things. I, I don't know. Uh, you know. I, I think you're going to see more Yachtine runners with, with sort of Baffert instructions and, and we'll see how they, they run uh, once they get here. Uh, 
to uh, to the Kentucky Derby. I think there's a chance that if they get a better start and they get a better path um, and a better you know race, you might have seen the Kentucky Derby a winner in that race in those yeah. three one of those three horses. Um, and so, you know, it's been a little bit since uh, you know we've had that it was authentic. The last one must be 2020, so it hasn't been too long. But you know, Santa Anita Derby winner coming over winning uh, the Kentucky Derby. It's been one of the best predictors of success in the in the Triple Crown series is that Santa Anita route. And so, um, hopefully, um, those horses are, are able to transition barns and do um, do just as well uh, in the new barn as they have been doing in um, the Baffert barn. I was more impressed with reincarnate than I was with Lugan Knight. Um, but of course he doesn't have any points, unfortunately on the Kentucky Derby trail. So I can't really put him in a rankings anywhere. Cause I don't know where he's going or what his route is going to look like and uh, which barn he's going to be in. And so hopefully uh, we will see those horses back at it. Um, Cause I got to think about this because before the Santa Anita Derby. Oh man. Hang on. I'm better than this. I promise. Um. <laughs> All right. While you look that up, I'm going to introduce yes. The man, the myth, the legend, the old man on the back porch, Dan Issel. <laughs> He's Welcome, not on the Dan. back porch. I'm on the back porch. The, the Robert B. <laughs> Lewis, of course. So, Dan, we were just going over the um, the Jerome and the um, excuse me, the uh, oh my gosh, why am I losing my place here? The Sham out at uh, Santa Anita last weekend. Yep. yep. Uh, of course, Baffert goes one, two, three. His his longest shot in the field reincarnate gets the victory out there. I was more impressed with him than I was with Luke and Knight in New York. What did you think of those two races? Yeah, I, you know, as, as Luke and Knight was my pick, and you asked me on our show, That's who true. I liked, and that was I couldn't think of his name, but that was, <laughs> that was who I liked. I think he was four to one on the morning line. Uh, you know, reading the recap of that race, Louie, um, and I'm glad I'm not there because I hate cigar smoke. Uh, <laughs> But I'm getting these out of the way before you come back to town. So don't worry. About it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it doesn't sound like they're too excited about the Derby. I, I, they they don't much think this horse wants to get a mile and a quarter. So if the owners don't think he's a Derby horse, I don't know why we should. That's fair enough. Um, did you did you like? I, I told Zach that I thought I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Derby winner as one of those top three finishers in the Sham. What say you of that? Um, well, they'd have to go someplace else, wouldn't they? Baffert, they would. They Baffert, would. Baffert is still not eligible to run in the Derby. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was, I wasn't terribly impressed with that race. Uh, you know, the big favorite runs third. I, I don't even know, Louie, if those are the three best three-year-olds that Baffert has in his barn right now. And Brad Cox is loaded. Uh, you know, Todd's going to have the two-year-old champion. Uh, I would be surprised if one of those three horses wins the Kentucky Derby. Is Forte on top for you right now? Uh, yeah, until somebody knocks him off. Yeah. Uh, Brad Cox seems to be loaded. Uh, he's he's running a, a Saturday. He's running a horse in the... Um, by justified that uh, broke its maiden at Saratoga in an allowance race. And it, it looks like he's got six or eight horses on the Derby trail. I'm kind of interested in Loggins. I think mm -hmm. if I could make a Derby, a Derby bet right now, it Loggins would be my horse because he ran in just the second start of his life. You know, he, he ran Forte to a neck. And so, 
if you forced me to make a derby, a future book derby bet, I'd be on Loggins. Would you have Cave Rock as your top Baffert right now? Uh, no. My top, my top Baffert would be the horse you and I saw uh, break his oh, yeah, uh, at Keeneland. Uh, Arabian, Arabian Lion, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I would say that, I mean, that was some kind of impressive. Yeah, and, that screams Baffert too, right? To win that race as a yeah. two-year-old and then come back and be better as a two-year-old. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And so uh, <clears throat> I would put that horse uh, at, at the top because not only did he win, I think, Louis by seven or eight lengths, but it was another seven or eight lengths back. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Course. So uh, I, I think right now I'd say that's Baffert's top three-year-old. Did you boo Bob Baffert when he walked onto the track? No. <laughs> no. Do you have a Budweiser? Uh, I don't. Um, I'm doing a dry I'm doing a dry oh. January. So. Did, did December get out of hand for Dan Isle? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Good enough. Oh man. So uh, on the Oak side, because we do have the Busanda this weekend, um, and I, I was disappointed in the number of horses here, um, but I do think there's a really interesting filly here. She's coming in as a maiden in the Grand Motion Barn. I think Affirmative Lady, because of that wet experience, we're going to have rain tomorrow in Ozone Park, um, is an interesting entry here. She's also gone that mile in an eighth at Aqueduct. Um, gets Mandy Franco here in the Irons, who I, I love at Aqueduct. I think he's unbelievable. Uh, did you did you land on anyone in the Busanda? Do you have any Oak sort of rankings, feelings? Uh, I, I was between uh, the two, okay. Occult and an Affirmative Lady. Okay. I know they paid a lot of money for that curling filly on the bottom. But uh, she broke her maiden, uh, Louie, running a mile and an eighth in a minute 58 and one. <laughs> you, you might be able to run a mile and an eighth in a minute and 50 uh, <laughs> and one. So I'm, I'm throwing her out. Um, I, I don't know. Do you, think, do you think that the motions Philly won? I mean, she's got a huge wet number. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you think she won because she wanted the two turns, or do you think she won because it was a sloppy racetrack? That, that's a good question, but she did run in that demo zone. We get two of the, the horses back from that. Gambling Girl, the one, of course, uh, as well for, for Pletcher and, and Kendrick Carmouche. Um, I, I think when you're a daughter of Arrogate, you do want the two turns. And I don't know that the wet number bothers me because, like I said, I think we're going to have some moisture in that track on Saturday. The interesting thing will be, Dan, at race time, it might be 35 degrees. Right. So it'll be interesting to see which of these Phillies doesn't hate the cold because it's yeah. going to be cold. But, but you look if you look at a Colt, uh, Chad Brown has done this in the past. He's left some good horses in New York yes. over the winter. I think uh, the horse that won the Preakness this past year. He's Early stayed, voting, yeah. Yeah, he stayed in New York all winter. So they paid 625000 for this Philly. Uh, into mischief, I I don't know. I if you force me to to pick one, I think I'd take a colt. Okay, <laughs> so a colt uh, is in the two spot for Dan Issel there, and then uh, I'm going to be on affirmative lady uh, coming out of that demoiselle against behind Julia Shining. Julia Shining, of course, uh, does have those ten points from the demoiselle um, to go with it. I was laughing, Dan, before you came on. Uh, they ran the Jerome last week. It was a mile over one turn at Aqueduct, and they are going to run the demoiselle and the Busanda for the girls, and both of those will be over two turns. So we expect more out of the women in New York than we do the men.
<laughs> they're, they're, you know, girls, are, they're always more mature than the boys. I guess they, they're ready to go a mile. Do you know what's funny about it is they run the acorn at a mile over one turn. So yeah. they do all this prep work over two turns. And then their big, their big showcase uh, in the spring for the, for the ladies. Now, to be fair, by the time they get to the to late summer, they're running the damn Alabama 10 furlongs, right? So it's, uh, they're, they're, uh, that's a, that's a serious race. All right. So there you go. There's the Busanda that ends the, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the grand slam bet that we've gone over on this show before. Uh, you got it. It's essentially a show bet for the first three legs. You have to pick the winner of the Busanda. It's a dollar minimum. It's a fun bet. Uh, it's a way to hit the bet eight, nine, 10 different ways, that kind of thing to try to hit uh, as many times as possible. My sense though, because of that five horse field of Busanda, not going to play, not going to pay much this week. So I will be staying away personally, uh, but good luck if you're playing that one. Uh, I brought Dan on because he loves to handicap and we are going to go look at the late pick four at Turfway Park. <clears throat> Um, cool thing, if people don't know, uh, the takeout rate on pick fives at Turfway is 14%. The takeout on pick fours is only 15%. So you can actually get a pretty fair shake at Turfway Park. <sighs> this is the lowest claiming price Dan and I have ever handicapped together. It is $8,000 uh, for a $25,000 person race five here at Turfway. A mile on that synthetic going the two turns. Um, it is a one-mile course, and so we start at the start line and we finish at the same line. Uh, Dan, did you have a strong opinion on this race? This was the leg in this sequence uh, where I felt the, I felt most like spreading. Yeah, no question. And that's, that's exactly what I did. And, and because, you know, 8,000, the cheaper the horse I find Louie, the harder it is to handicap. Probably. Because they can, they can run a great race and come back and, and throw in a, a clunker. Totally true. Because, because I'm so uh, short, the rest of the field, the rest of the pick four, I used five horses here. Okay, great. No, no, I, I used six horses here. I used the two, the three, and I and and I I, I don't know. I I'm I must not know what I'm doing because I used six horses and didn't use the five horses three to one on the morning line. Love it. Use the two, the three, the seven. The nine, ten, eleven to start okay. pick four. I like I like to go heavy on the front end anyway. <laughs> even if I don't cash, I want to be alive before the before the first race is over. That is terrible advice from Uncle Dan, but we will uh, we will accept it here at <laughs> Happy Hour. Um, don't play those don't play those tickets. You, you single where you got to single people. Um, you know it's interesting. So, uh, Sing Song Bird is is in the Kevin Fletcher barn. He hasn't run anyone in 2023 at Turfway, but has had some um, success before on the synthetic at 15%. So he is an interesting trainer. A lot of horses in this kind of race. This is where Dan is, is right. You can get that 12 to one kind of number to start off your, your sequence here. Um, and so I also landed on, um, I included the the four in mine as well. I do have the five just because the horse did run a big number last time out at Woodbine over a very similar surface, Dan. Um, but I have her, um, I think it's her. Her, yeah, her six-year-old mare. Um, in the third spot, I went 10-9 up top, Dan. I do think safe, safe Travels is probably your most likely winner. One at the 15 level gets claimed. They're running her back at the eight level here um, a couple weeks later. Uh, Cipriano Contreras <laughs> uh, just claims horses and does this. He wins the 17% in claimers. He, you know, uh, second off that that layoff with this horse, he wins at 17% with that. Um, and, and overall was really, really good at Turfway in that holiday meet. Uh, leading into this one here. And so I do have the 10 on top list uh, with uh, Contreras and Esquivel. And then on, I landed on second on the nine, eight to one here, Dan, uh, for Marcassi and Luan Machado. 
that's kind of a jockey pick. I'll be real honest. Um, there's no Gerardo Corrales in this race. And so I, I really trust Luan Machado, who's already hitting at 22% this month um, at Turfway coming into the day. Um, whatever he's doing tonight, just added to the uh, to the list. Uh, Mark Cassie, um, a little less successful at Turfway than I think we would expect. But this is, this is a nice horse coming out of optional claimer. Last time this horse ran um, at this kind of level at the 7,500 level at Woodbine lost by a, by a length. And so that's the kind of horse that we talk about Dan in these, in these 8k claimers can jump up and have another good day, right? Kind of an every other horse. And, right. and so she's got a serious shot right. here. Um, and then yeah, five and four were my next two after that. So I went four horses wide in the opening legs in the sixth race is an allowance over six furlongs. That is a six furlong shoot at Turfway, $76,000 in the purse. Mr. are four-year-olds and up, which had never won three races. I think, Dan, uh, we, we had uh, Jonathan Wong, on, uh, trainer, on the on the, the show a couple weeks right. ago. Yeah. And he, he's moving his, his barn here. And he said one of the things he loves is that the condition book at Turfway says things like, for four-year-olds and up, which have never won three races, period, stop, end of conversation. A simple, a simple this is why there's so many horses in this race, because it's so easy to meet the conditions. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I, he's he's been racing a lot in California, and they have to have about four or five conditions per race. Yeah, it's too much. Seven horses in the field. You don't have to do that at Kentucky. You no. you, you write a typical con- condition, and especially especially Louis, if you're if you're giving away seventy six thousand dollars at Turfway Park. You're going, to, you're going to get a lot of horses. Do you think it's interesting that we have a we have an Ask It alum here? Uh, I'm sorry, say it again. So the three horse ran at Royal Ascot. Oh, in, yeah, Royal Ascot. In the Norfolk Six, yeah. yeah that, that's my top pick for a, sure. number, for a number of reasons. Uh, West, Wesley Ward has a uh, what, 30% with layoff horses like this. He does have Corrales, who's having a great meet. The horses by not this time, who's one of my all-time favorite sires. They thought enough of this horse, as you just said, to take him uh, to Royal Ascot. He's been gelded since his last race. Blinkers on. Um, I, I think anybody else in this field is going to have to run a lot to beat the three horses. Yeah, I think you're right. They moved him to Turfway to train as well, right? So I, I think they're, they, they've been pointing to something like this. I imagine with anticipation of running him in a stakes company next time out, if he does like the synthetic, uh, I have him on top as well. Um, if you look at that Norfolk stakes that he ran, that that group two at Ascot, he, he runs fifth by a length, Dan. Just yeah. an absolute blanket finish. So if he can do that at Ascot, my sense is he'll be just fine at Turfway. Um and Purple Dreams in this race, and I'm including Purple Dream coming out of the optional claimer ranks, moving into the allowance ranks here, did win last time. Ran a really solid 110 and 2 over the six furlong course there. If we can replicate that six furlong time from the one hole, horse doesn't break great, but I think we'll have enough time under Joe Ramos uh, to make a move as well. Paulo Lobo had a terrific uh, holiday meeting um, at Turfway. The two of them hitting at 33%. Joe off to a slow start since the beginning of the year, but I think that can be turned around very easily with better horses um, and do those things. Wesley Ward, by the way, first nine races at Turfway since the new year, four wins, three seconds. <laughs> so um, obviously putting his horses in spots where they can win. Yeah, the the, the only other horse I used, uh, Louis, was the eight horse. Um, it, it looks like he might be a much better horse, uh, which is funny for, for a twirling candy, but will to run. Uh, you go back to that race at Churchill Downs two races ago. That that was a uh, that was, was a 
finger there. Um, and, um, it, you know, maybe he just doesn't like the synthetic as much as the dirt, but uh, with Machado up, uh, yep. like Ben Colebrook, I, I think he's yeah, nice trainer. I think he's an up and coming uh, young trainer. And so, uh, and in addition to the three, I use the eight. Yeah, I like that Ben decided to stay at, at Turfway because I think that if you give him a year to figure it out, he'll be able to yeah. come back next year and be even better. Uh, I left that horse out only because I watched that race last time out, and that I don't think that horse likes the synthetic. Yeah. I just don't think it does. So, um, but but you know what's interesting, Dan? You mentioned Twirling Candy, the sire. Uh, since I started doing the show, I think he is the most versatile sire that we've talked about as far as surfaces, distances, because you'll see – you know, some of his his uh, his kids go run two turns over the dirt and love it. They sprint on the turf well. They run on the synthetic well. It's it's pretty remarkable, frankly. Well, and and that's why Louis he's now he now stands for sixty thousand dollars. I think I think he started out like ten or fifteen. That sounds right. And, yeah, and now he's up to sixty. So uh, yeah. yeah, he had some real nice horses. And this is a serious this is a serious breeding job too. Mom's out of uh, is by uh, distorted humor. So this is a a serious. Uh, uh, breeding job on the eight there as well. Um, small fields to begin the pick four, only 11 horses and nine horses in the fifth and sixth races. That is horrible sarcasm. I apologize in advance. <laughs> then we go over to the, the feature of the day at Turfway. It's the likely exchange. Uh, it's the seventh race, a mile over that synthetic course. Again, start at the start line, finish at the start line. Uh, one turn here. Um, I, I think we have a we have a horse, Dan, that's going to win by open lengths. He's my, she's my single. Yeah, and I think she's my horse of the day. I think she's no question. And her name is Kate's Kingdom um, from the the Bill Walden barn. And this is an Animal Kingdom, which is interesting because Animal Kingdom on his path to the Kentucky Derby qualified by winning the Jeff Ruby Stakes at Turfway Park. Exactly. What's interesting is it was on the previous surface, but it looks like his progeny are doing just well on the new one, Dan. Yeah, and, and you know, this, this you see that they changed trainers here between October and December uh, to William Walden. They actually sold this film in November. And, um, I, I, I'm doing this for memory, which is never a good thing, <laughs> but I think she brought five or $600,000 and she, I mean, she won a grade three up at Woodbine before they sold her. And, uh, William Walden and his crew are just easy horses to, uh, easy people to root for. So, uh, yeah, in my pick four, I've got a single here with Kate's kingdom. Yep, you and I agree. She's a four for eight lifetime on the synthetic. And by on the synthetic, I mean she's running in stakes company and she's winning half of them on the synthetic. That's what she is. And so right. I, I expect her very much to be uh, the best here. If you're looking for another horse to use, maybe in an exacto or a trifecta, something like that, you do have maybe later here with Gerardo Corrales and Billy Mori, the two of them, 48% at Turfway Park. If you wanted to go off and try to beat her, that would be the horse to use. She's just not as fast. I mean, simply put, she's just not as fast. Last time out, uh, Kate's Kingdom beat uh, uh, beat a Candy Ride and beat a Champagne Lady. That field is better than this field, and she won it by four. Uh, she won it by uh, three quarters of a length. Right. I think that she's going to be able to pull away and be and be in an even better spot than that. So I um I'll look for her. She is a deep closer, so if she does get some some trouble, she she might not be able to do it. Um, the interesting thing about um, about maybe later, she's going to be mid-pack, third, fourth place. So there is a chance that that's the horse that jumps up, you know, and takes the money here. But like I said, I think the Kate's Kingdom, simply put, is a better finisher and she's just faster. So uh, it, I think it sets up to be a fun race, but uh, I think at the end of it, uh, she'll be sitting there by herself. Um, 
and in the winner's circle as well. Won four over 10 races last year, including that My Charmer at Turfway Park, which is listed stakes at the same level as this one. We'll close the day with a $15,000 claimer, 15 uh, $15,10 if you want to take uh, the pounds for non-two-lifers. Us Phillies and Mares four and up, of course, that have never won two races. We're going to mile in a 16th, so a little bit behind that starting line. Um, I, I love this uh, sequence, stand because we get the two-mile races. We do get the nice uh, allowance sprint in the middle, and then we get this claimer at the end. Um, I went, again, fairly skinny. I have three horses here, Dan. How'd you go? Well, I, I th- this race, you know, what you have to do when you handicap is you have to not only handicap the horses – you have to handicap how much money you want to put <laughs> into a sequence. Fair fact that you know that it looks like there are two strong standout favorites in the middle of the field. So you can't get too crazy. And so because I went six deep in the first race, I only went uh, two deep here. Okay, and, yep. and it's and it's the two favorites. It's the nine and the ten, as we always say, Louis. Pay attention to the also eligibles because if the 11 draws in, excuse me, the 14 draws in, I think you have to use. The 14 ran today. Oh, okay. So that so, I looked so, it up only because it said on the form, entered today. That horse drew in today, so that horse ran today. Okay. All right. So that makes it easy. I'm 9 10 in, the, in this field. I went 10 7 9 here, Dan. <laughs> I'm going to include only time here, Joe Ramos, Claude Brownfield. One, uh, excuse me, ran third last time at this level um, over uh, a mile and just ran out of a little bit of steam. I'm wondering maybe the horse can get the can get the distance this time. Tried that mile for the first time since September last time out. And so had been running in sprints, got back to going two turns in uh, last time out. So I'll be interested to watch. Horses run seven times on synthetic, never won. But I, went two I did, seconds and three thirds. I ticket, Louie, because I see... Not only are you making good points, but <laughs> she's also by not this time. There it is, right? So, so <laughs> I just, I just seven to my ticket. Okay, so there you go. I just one win in twelve runs last year. I get it, but that's the level we're talking about. One win in seventeen runs. I get it, but we're talking about Joe Ramos, who I really like. Again, slow start to the year, but did win eighteen percent of his races last year between Horseshoe Indianapolis and here and Ellis Park and other places. And so, I, I think he's, uh, I, I think she's at least got a reasonable shot here, uh, four-year-old filly, as you mentioned. By not this time, uh, tap it on the bottom side too. The, the, yeah. the breeding really makes sense, right? So, yeah. uh, to go two turns here and get a little bit extra distance. So hopefully, she'll be able to step up and do just that. One horse in here that was right behind her was Hat Trick, the eight, uh, and that's a Luan Machado. And, and so I always, uh, it's turquoise. So once in a while, a guy like Juan Machado just creates a good run for a horse. He might, uh, tri- uh, Trick Hat might be the horse that does it, likes to run right off of the pace, uh, second, third, that kind of thing. Uh, and it did win two back at Belterra over Firm Go, um, going a mile and a 16. So at the distance, the horse has, has been going well. And so, um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I'm with you. I think Loma, Visit, Loma Vista, this is just where Corrado Corrales wins these races. This is what he does at Turfway. He wins these walk-off races over and over and over again. He gets better as the day goes on. Yeah. And so would not be surprised to see him and Mike Maker. I don't know. They're only hitting at 21% at, at Turfway Park, Dan. That's all, you know, crappy, <laughs> terrible sort of stats. All the stats on that horse make sense. And you're sitting the blinkers off, actually, on that horse because uh, she's won for 10 lifetime. Um, but maybe a little concerned that she's – you know, I'm always interested, Dan, when they when they take the blinkers off of a horse that's more of a closer, because 
you would think the blinkers wouldn't be an issue, but maybe they're, they they do want some of that awareness of where they are in the group. Like you got to get going now because yeah. there's there's seven eight horses over here. It's time yeah. to go go go. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Amazon Queen, like you mentioned, the nine Arno Delacour and Declan Cannon together um, on this one. Not a combination we see very often, but Delacour, man, that Arno underrated twenty three percent last year um, in in all races last year with with over two hundred races. So uh, uh, a trainer that really gets it done. He wins. He's won at claiming races over his last 16 at 44%. So this is where Delacour really picks off these races. So I agree with you, the 10 and 9. This horse has been training at Turfway Park. All the works make sense. Loma Vista, the same exact thing. Uh, been been uh, working actually here down the street at uh, Churchill Downs training track. But um, should be good to go when she gets up to Florence. Has one, uh, run that one race that I mentioned Correct. last time out with, yep. uh, with Gerardo as well. All right, Dan. Um, I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, what are we talking about on the show tomorrow? Since uh, I know you, you're a very busy man, you make the show sheets and everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've already started my show prep for tomorrow morning. I appreciate you very much, Dan. So, if yeah. people don't know, Dan and I host a weekday sports talk radio show from 10 to noon here in, in Louisville on ESPN Louisville, ESPN 680-1057. You can stream it anywhere in the world if you go get the app or if you go to ESPNLouisville.com. So if you want to hear Dan uh, yell at me in the mornings, you're very welcome to go do that. Uh, usually I talk a lot less and Dan talks a lot more. Um, and so if you like Dan Issel, come find us there. Um, Dan's on uh, on Twitter at DanIssel44 as well. Go give him a follow. He tweets once every 18 months. <laughs> and so um, – <laughs> and only to only to, to cause trouble is only is. no only when I <laughs> only have when I have a point to make. <laughs> Dan, Dan is appointed man once every eighteen months, and so uh, good to go. But uh, uh, you know, I had a good sales day for the show, man. You did, <laughs> believable. I, I, look, I don't know what you're charging these people. They're probably getting it for nothing. But that's uh, not that's not true. That's not but true. but you wrapped up three different three deals today. <laughs> Where do you think that's all a, the the alcohol and scars come from? Yeah, no, that's right. That's how they pay. Well, I was telling Dan the we've covered the four major food groups with our sponsors on the show: uh, pork, pizza, coffee, and uh, and popcorn. popcorn. Yeah, popcorn. <laughs> Can't go wrong. It's going to be great. So, uh, listen, the oh, last man. time I was in the studio <laughs> at the radio station, there was free wings, so I can't exactly complain. <laughs> we did that today. It was a good day. <clears throat> oh, man. But, yeah, so, uh, Dan, appreciate you jumping on. No, uh, always, always happy to do it. You guys yeah. have a good evening, and we'll talk in the morning, Louie. All right, Dan, see you in a couple hours. Bye-bye. Dan Issel, Hall of Famer. There you go. It is um, something, uh, Zach, had you told me when I was a kid, all right, so what? here's what's going to happen, guy from West Michigan. You're going to move to Kentucky. You're going to have four kids, and you're going to host a radio show with Kentucky's all-time leading scorer and rebounder. <laughs> no, no, none of that. No. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. people also, think, you're going to be sponsored and be able to talk about horse racing right. and sports. Yeah, right. and yeah. yeah. And by the way, my sequence for Turfway Park is in the sheet this weekend. Green Sheet Racing, greensheetracing.com. Go check that out. I turned all that in today around to uh, 1.30-ish, I guess. Uh, eating those chicken wings that Zach mentioned. Um, and so go check that out. Uh, Green Sheet, a great sponsor of our show, um, of course. And so greensheetracing.com. Uh, Zach, we've done a good job here. Uh, we had some funny. <laughs> I want to give a shout because we had uh, year-in-review shows. We, we put out three in three days. Mm-hmm. Great, great numbers from our listeners. Really appreciate it. But also, um, 
got some response because our guy, John Sherva, was very critical of Ron Flatter. And I have to say, I agree with John. But I also really like Ron Flatter. So, like, I'm not like, so it's the interesting thing about podcasting, Zach, is that, is that you get to talk about what you like, right? Yep. And you and if you're lucky like me, you get to talk to people you like, right? So I get to talk to mm-hmm. Dan and, and, and Ron and John and we have Racy Rachel on and, and you know we have Los Ponies on and we do whatever, right? And and so I want to set up next week, by the way. Zach and I are doing a doubleheader. Uh we're mm-hmm. gonna hang out with you for two shows next Thursday, one at seven Eastern, one at eight Eastern. Seven Eastern, Laurel Park Steaks preview. They got a bunch of steak breads uh going next it's week. It's gonna be great. I'm excited. For I, got, I got the ping from Maryland. They said, hey, can we do a show? And I thought, oh, crap, I've already booked someone from Fairgrounds. Our guy, John Dooley, track announcer down at yeah. Fairgrounds because of the Lecomptes next weekend. And I said, you know what? This is the horse racing happy hour. If I have to drink twice to be great, I'm going to be great. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. So we're going to do a handicapping show at 7 about the stakes at Laurel. We're going to talk about that pick five, that all stakes pick five. Um, a reminder, 12% takeout at Laurel totally just one of the best values in the country so we'll, we'll go through that plus you get dave rodman my favorite track announcer in the world so that's awesome then at eight o'clock we'll do the normal show preview uh look back at the races that we talked about today especially the busanda but we'll look back at the busanda talk about that how badly i did on this pick four being totally wrong and then <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into what's going on at the fairgrounds with our guy john dooley zach that's going to be an interesting show because john be. no no john is a um, I don't want to call him a Neanderthal with technology, but it's close. It's close. It's close. It's close. He is the version of the Luddite that wishes we <laughs> could handle technology, but has given up. <laughs> He's never needed it. Being a track announcer exactly. is like mic on, mic off. That's his life, you know. And so, um, but he, uh, if you know, if if you recognize the name John Dooley for years, called the action at Arlington, so yep. called more than more than. I, I, probably two dozen Arlington millions. And then, uh, of course, moved to the fairgrounds in the winter. So he would do the Chicago, New Orleans circuit every year. Has picked up the duties at Horseshoe Indianapolis. So I have had beers with John at a Buffalo Wild Wings. How about that? <laughs> so he was he was enthusiastic to come on tomorrow. When I was texting him, in only John Dooley fashion, he was sitting at a Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> because, of, because, of course, he was. And so uh, we'll make sure that uh, we get John on next week. And so doubleheader next week, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Uh, you can watch. You can listen, whatever uh, it is. However you – honestly, when we say it, we mean it. However you access the show, we really appreciate it. Um, if you haven't tried it out, we do have the uh, the video stream on Spotify. If you use the open Spotify, it is free. You're going to have to watch some ads. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's worth it to see my beautiful face. And uh, the, the the beautiful face of one day initial. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, it was funny, Zach, because I uh, I started getting the texts. This is always the time of year. I always get the texts. Hey man, do you have space for me for Derby? Hey man, um, what are we doing for Peakness? Hey man, uh, what's going on with this? And, and I love, it. I love it because because this is how I got into the sport. Was that we moved here, and you know this because exactly. you went you went on the first one. We got into it by going to the Oaks. Yeah, exactly. And then having a derby party at the house. And that's how I sort of started getting into this. I think our first was 2009. No, 2010. We went to the Oaks in 2010. Because uh, I only know that because Kristen was still, um, 
we had just had a kid. That's how I know it essentially. And so, um, so we go to the, the 2010 Oaks and then it's kind of built from there. And, um, you know, the first Derby with, did you go to orb? Did you go to Derby 139 with us? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And so, uh, orb was my first Derby and, and we got into it that way, but, um, it's fun now that I've become the touch point for so many people to figure out what to do. You've been to Pimlico with me. You know what a freaking blast that place is. Oh and so my gosh, yeah. uh, the Preakness is so different. It's so great. And so we'll be doing all those things and then got to figure out Belmont. We got to figure out Bridges Cup. And um, Matt Titterman, if you are listening, my friend, we want to figure out a trip in the fall where we come to Golden Gate either the weekend before or the weekend after Breeders Cup. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to fly out to either San Francisco and hang out with you and then drive down to San Diego or uh, to, to LA, I should say, excuse me, San, at Santa Anita. Or we're going to fly out to LA, go to the Breeders' Cup, and then we're going to drive up your way uh, to to do that. And uh, I'm going to spend a week pretending I don't have a family. And um, aren't those great weeks, Zach, when you get to pretend you don't they have a family? Are. <laughs> they are. Oh, and man. It's, it's, it's more like I get to happily talk about my family rather than unhappily <laughs> talk to my family. Yes. Right. Yeah, you totally. know, like, like, Oh God, I it's mean, so true. There's family happiness too when I'm with them, but you know, you know, that as a parent, the, as yeah, the daily family, grind, man, it's real. Yeah. Partner, yeah, it's like, yeah. Totally. It's like, uh, it just wears on you. I mean, that's one of the reasons why <laughs> I've learned to like, absolutely love the RV because when we do it as a family, there's like nowhere to go, nowhere to be. And like you don't have those opportunities when you're at home, right? Like there's always something. It's like kids got to go to an activity, or it's it's who's in charge of the TV, or whose friend's house are they going yeah, to? Yeah, right, right, right. Like, my brother's my brother's doing this, and yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, the you know we're going on a vacation in February as a family, and I yep. just I'm already like looking forward to one of the best things about those vacations. And you're talking about with the RV, and and we're gonna be staying you know somewhere in. Yeah. Every time we do these, and I'm sure you do this too, you're like, oh, can my kids do this? Can they, you know, can, and then every time they, they show up, they do. They're great. Right. And they, and they're, they're awesome. You have a great time. You're, you know, you're, you're, it, it, and you, you create these memories with your kids and you realize, shoot, I should have been creating so many more of these memories. <laughs> That's, it's really, the, it's really the case. And so I'm excited that we've, we made these plays for February and we'll, we'll go figure that out. But um, it's like, I'm worried about my kids being stuck in a small metal box while we're on the road. And then you and they don't care like, and they love it. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, everything's great for them. And, yep, and exactly. then you get home and they're like, <laughs> so true, they're like why so can't true. we live in the RV? And I'm like, well, that's a question unto itself. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of Instagram pages about that, my son. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, so that lots of fun. Again, um, horse racing happy hour, green sheet racing, green sheet racing.com. Go check out all those things. Um, we're going to have some cool stuff this spring. Um, so, yeah. so, so stay, uh, stay tuned. Um, we'll be getting into all those things. But I, um, I think we should wrap it up, Zach. 47, 47 minutes, just about right. If you play this on 1.2, you probably got out of here in 40 minutes. You're welcome. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, no, good to go. Um, Zach, you got any uh, any strong feelings on any of the races we talked about? Do you agree with us on the single at Turfway? Oh, my gosh, do I agree with you on that single. Okay. Like, that, is, that is such that's such a good race, and that's a solid horse. You know, she is a solid it, horse, too. You know, the one thing that now that I've talked myself yeah. through that race, I'm a little convinced maybe later is going to jump up and pick it off for no reason. 
despite the speed ratings and all those things, which would be fine. Um, I but mean, that's what horse racing is about. <laughs> <laughs> but she's three for 23 lifetime. I just, I can't. Yeah, exactly. And that's the second favorite. I can't do it. I mean, I just but, can't do it. But. It's also, you know what I really appreciate about horse racing and about this podcast is we, I feel like, are on that that first wave of people who are really appreciating secondary racing markets, right? Where you, you get a lot more pressure on an aqueduct, a turfway. Oh, we're going to talk moral other... next week. We're going to talk fairgrounds. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. It's, it's, no, yeah. Horse racing isn't seven races, which is what it feels like when on you TV watch it does. Yeah, coverage. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so. NBC yeah. didn't even pump up Flightline. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, it is what it is. I I'm mean, not, even the I'm Derby not, coverage and I'm not is going really after just the Derby, right? It's the Derby and race. That's and I'm it. not going, I'm not going after NBC, by the way. They do a great job. Oh, that's no, not of what course. I'm doing. Yeah. But, but they didn't, I mean, I never heard about Flightline on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. And they should have just show, just show the stretch at the Pacific Mile or the Pacific Classic, excuse me. Just show that. Just do it once. Yep. Just do it. It'll be okay. You'll be all right. People are like, what? 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 Is the horse doing what? What did he do there? What's that horse doing? Like, like that's that's what we should be doing. But anyways, um, no, I'm happy to do it. And and you know we go to the Indiana Derby every year. Um, it is the it's the local. It you know horse racing is 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 like college football in that it's wildly local, wildly regional, oh and, gosh, and, yeah. and it's one of the cool things about this podcast is that we get to talk to people. All over the country, uh, you know James Welsh jumps on from Scotland. I mean, well, I would we, say all know, over the world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of the best things, and and people. It's so funny to meet people that live here and they're like, dude, I don't get Turfway in the winter. I bet Aqueduct. I bet Fairgrounds. Yeah. I bet, you know, Oakland. I bet Goldstream, whatever it is. You know, I bet Santa Anita. I bet Golden Gate, you know, whatever it is. And and it's so fun to that horse racing people are like, no, I'm going to find my thing and I'm going to follow that thing. And, and you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that way, you know, and, and I always, you know, I'm sure people who listen to this podcast are tired of hearing about it, but you know, that trip to Baltimore every year is so special for me. I, I really enjoy it. The people at Pimlico are so – dude, they hand you the scratches on Black Eyed Susan Day, on Preakness Day, and they're handwritten. They are. They they're handwritten. Are. And, it, like, the ladies there are great the, they in are. the room. I remember, I remember it was – oh, man, it's got to be 20 – whenever the royal wedding happened with Prince Harry – Who's now obviously a douchebag, and <laughs> I have a theory on that. By the way, we should get into that right now. But it was oh, like Pimlico and then Royal Wedding, and I remember walking up front to grab the scratch. I sh- that's that's a lie. They it they was, walk it was around literally the week of the wedding. Yes, uh, the same day. It was the same day. Yeah, in in uh, twenty eighteen. Thank you. And so justified. There you go. Yeah. And so I I'm there. And they're walking around. They're handing out the scratches. These handwritten, then photocopied scratches at the Preakness. And I said, "Man, I thought I was going to get away from the royal wedding." And the woman literally she smiles at me. She goes, "No chance." <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was perfect. And so, no, it, it's the it's the like, and especially media will tell you it is the easiest triple crown race to cover. Not even close. And it's and I get it. You can talk about the structure. You can talk about whatever. The view from the roof. And the view from that 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 nook overhanging from the press box, frankly, as good as it gets in horse racing for media. And I'm not complaining about 322 at Churchill. That we've got our spot in 65, 66. I get it. It's awesome. Nobody they take care of us. Though, man. But Nobody freakness has di- freakness. freakness. But that roof. Is, 
It's its own thing. That's right. All those people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's different. (laughs) You hang out with the Baltimore sniper squad on the roof there. No, it's different. And and it's, it's its own thing. And uh, what was (laughs) the interesting thing? So I didn't go this last year, but the year before I'll be there this spring next year. Um, They started, they started just putting out coolers of beer. It wasn't that there was a bartender like at, at Derby. There wasn't, you know, you know, there wasn't cocktails. It was cans of beer. And I remember thinking, this is Preakness. This is it. This is it. They get it. They know what they are. They don't mess around. And frankly, by the way, who did Preakness underrated for Derby, for, 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 for media? Underrated. You get a good, you get a good rap. You get a good salad, you know, like underrated. They do a good job there. And so, uh, <laughs> they, they do, they do sports food. Like the kind of food you would expect if you went to a. I don't know that I. I kind of disagree. I. I okay. had a chicken. It's like a chicken salad wrap or something last time. It was delicious. It was great. No, I don't know. I. Go I'm down and slum. That's where the pit beefs are. <laughs> well, pit frankly, beef that's the other part. The, yeah, the fries. <laughs> well, the other part is like that indoor paddock. Yeah. That they have and yeah. people standing at the glass. No, it's different. It, it, it's it's really fun and and. You know, long, they did it right. They knew what they were going for, and they did. Yeah. It now. If, long if, live Pimlico, man. If we can get Maryland sports betting at Pimlico too, so they can raise enough money to keep that place open, give them thirty slot machines. I mean, cripes almighty, just let them have yeah. something. But yeah, no, for sure. I um, yeah, I'm an unabashed fan, and I love the. I mean, the, here's I here, always I was by just the looking way, this up because because this is a number that I remember okay. seeing. Yeah. Maryland's first month of sports betting. $500 million. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Right? Like one month. Like <laughs> the racetracks in Maryland need to take advantage of that, you know? Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Put a sports book have, in those places. I'm with you, you man. You have Charlestown racing at races in slots that's right across the border in West Virginia. Right across the border, yep. Laurel could could pick up some easy money. Pimlico could pick up some easy money. I mean, especially Pimlico. It's right in the middle of the city. But Laurel would, is... Laurel is great. It's it's. There's no reason Pimlico, Baltimore. Yeah, because of the laws there. There's no reason Pimlico shouldn't have an OTB slash sports book on the harbor. Yep. No, no reason. No reason. Go figure it out for sure. I. But uh, yeah, it's 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 very easy to cover. The stakes barn is is one of the most unique things in North American racing, where all of the best horses are in the same place. All of the trainers are there. Um, the sound bites are easy to get. That indoor paddock thing is so easy. Um, yep. It is It is really its own its own thing. And, and look, I, I love Churchill, but it, there's nothing like covering the previous man because you're no, it, it is you're shoulder to shoulder world. with everybody. That's right. Absolutely. I and mean, so, the, when we watched American Pharaoh win, Jay-Z and Beyonce were literally across the track from us. Like, right. No, that's right. Yeah. No. Like, it, in the that, tent. Was that your first Preakness? Uh, that was my first Preakness with good seats. <laughs> well, I can see the race. I went to yeah. Preakness once. Dude, you and me getting those seats was just the perfect. It was crazy. Finish line, like perfect. Yeah, no, it was great. But um, like I but still yeah. have the grainy cell phone photo where literally <laughs> we were sitting on the finish line of American Pharaoh coming in in the literal pouring sheeting rain. They they did a um, an interview after. And he was carrying 20 pounds of water. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was a wild. So I was what's wild? You and I were there. Of water waiting for that wait that race to finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the toilet's not working. But the uh, uh, the the justified See, you preakness. Got remember, that joke? you totally got that reference. The justified preakness 
was the fog preakness. Yes, it was. And we you, you and we had actually see. we had seats downstairs. So I did the show. Then we did we went downstairs and they were standing there. We couldn't see anything. And then about a yeah. hundred a hundred yards from the finish line, five horses come jumping yeah, out of that car. And I go, is that him? Is this? Oh, it's justified. Oh, he wins. Okay, hey. <laughs> oh man, what a wild race! I go back if you are listening right now. Go back and listen to Larry Colmus or Dave Rodman try to call that race. Yeah, because <laughs> no one can see. There's it. like the there's legitimately see it. No an eighth of a mile where you could not see a horse, and yeah. and it's just just an all timer of a race. I you know it, when when I think about the things that I've seen. That's why, by the way, the Justify Triple Crown is as good. It's not the – so Pharaoh plus the Breeders' Cup Classic is different. It's a different class. I get it. But to win on the rainiest derby ever and then to go to Pimlico with, like, whatever that fog is called in Maryland. I don't even know the name of it. See something, I'm sure. And then to win the Belmont. And then literally to go to the front of the Belmont and just win. Like just go out front, stay out front. Is as good a triple crown as you'll ever see. It really is yep. because he he won in all the conditions, and I mean just just so different, just so so different. But I do remember being there for the Pharaoh one with you, and the guys in front of us w- had been to the Derby fifty years in a row. Do you remember yes. this? Yeah, they I they do. decided because it was the fiftieth year they had gone to the Derby, they were also going to go to the entirety of the Triple Crown. And what a hell of a year to pick in twenty fifteen because they got to see that. And so just the best. I remember being so happy for those guys that they were going to New York with a horse that very clearly had a shot. I mean, yep. American Fair was so obviously different. He was so obviously different. I'd been to a couple derbies before that. I've been, you know, following sport a little bit, but Farrell was so obviously different. And it was very cool to see him uh, to win that. <laughs> Gosh, because they're running and the, the lightning is off in the distance. It was wild. It was wild. And it reminded me how much TV drives everything. <laughs> well, and it's because NBC was right? like, no, no. So, yeah, that's right. So it was like cloudy and we were like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it, it might rain a little bit. And then like <laughs> boom, half hour race and it's just like boom, shooting. Yep. And I the only thing I could think was, listen, you know, if there if there's ever a horse that could just womp this without even tripping. It's American Pharaoh. Like, that's yeah. it. If and he, he doesn't did trip, he no did. one can get up the acceleration to get past him. No, and he right. went out front, stayed out front. Like, that yep. was it. Yep. That was his style, man, for sure. All right, Zach, let's get out of here. Yeah. This let's has been the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Our friends at Greasy Racing, greasyracing.com. Go find my uh, pick four there. It is a uh, a paltry uh, 12 bucks to play my pick four this weekend. So go ahead and play it for uh, two bucks or three bucks or whatever you want to do. I'm Blue Rebo. He's producer Zach. We appreciate you hanging out. This has been. Uh, the horse racing happy. Closing time open.